Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Realcom webinar. I'm Sarah Bemperad with Realcom, and today we will be talking about flexible hybrid workplace strategies. I'm very excited to have a great panel of speakers with me today, but before we get started, let's just go over a few housekeeping items. You can use um, the Q&A section to submit your questions and comments um, for the panelists, and we'll try to get to all the questions during the session. If we don't get back to you today, we'll follow up with you after the event. And for the best webinar experience, we recommend that you log out of any other internet applications that are currently running. And if you do run into any technical issues, you can contact me at sbamperat at wilcom.com. We are recording the session and we'll be um, making that recording available to all attendees after the session. And you can also download a copy of this presentation deck in the handout section. All right, and with that, let's introduce the sponsors for today's event. We have Join, MRI Software, and Yardi joining us, and we'll learn more about these companies throughout the session. And with that, I'd like to introduce you to the moderator for today's event, um, Michael Schaub. Michael is one of Gensler's Digital Experience Design Directors, where he partners with clients to uncover design opportunities through their business challenges by leading visioning sessions and translating insights into design solutions. He also leads global teams of designers who bring those ideas to life. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. I will turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Susan, and uh, all of the Realcom team. Um, it's easy to see that a lot has changed for almost every office job. Um, it's harder to see what's next. Um, what aspects will quote unquote go back to normal, um, how work will incorporate you know, this paradigm, um, and uh, for the long term, what's going to be completely new. Uh, we've been talking to each other in these little boxes for too long to call this new, so we're calling this the now normal. Some of us are heading back into offices while others are continuing to work from home, and some will split their time. Um, today, you'll hear from several speakers with hands-on experience transforming workplaces to the now normal. They'll each introduce their perspective on hybrid work and the buildings that support it, and then come together to answer your burning questions about the future of work. Uh, to get us started, uh, I'd like to introduce Jackie Wolf, the Director of Global Workplace Experience at the Coca-Cola Company. Jackie Wolf is currently Director of Global Workplace Experience she leads a team focused on the integration of physical space and technology for a seamless associate experience that supports the many ways employees want to work, while enabling the anticipated needs for connection and collaboration with the return to office post-pandemic. Welcome, Jackie. Thanks, Michael. And thanks, Sarah and RealCom, for the invitation to share our story here today. Um, we're here on this webinar because for the majority of in-office and knowledge worker population, the way we work has fundamentally changed. At Coca-Cola, as with many organizations, what we say very simply now is the work is where it needs to be. And that's true when you think about it at the level of working from the office, working from home, or the multitude of third spaces that are available. It's also true for us when we think about the variety of spaces to work from within the physical office. As associates return to office, our message is that every seat is a seat to do work in. 
it kind of reminds me of that old airline ad where you hear the ding of the seatbelt sign going off and you're free to move about the country. Well, you're free to move about the office floor and in some cases the office building and even the campus. So as we work on our spaces and operating models, we're keeping it very simple. You are predominantly on-site, remote, or a hybrid of that. And we're thinking about this in terms of what the frequency of access will be to the office and why. So as we think about the future of work, what changes for us the most is not the space, but how we use it. With a hybrid work model, colleagues are given the autonomy to choose where and how to work. Therefore, being in the office will be intentional. When people choose to come in, it will be purposeful in ways that it wasn't necessarily before the pandemic. There's no crystal ball, but we believe that our associates will come into the office to connect, to collaborate, to celebrate, to experience our Coca-Cola culture, and in some cases, even do some heads down work. As we approach workplace design and operations, we need to ensure the experience of being in the office meets the needs of the expected outcomes of our colleagues. And as we ground our work around experience, we're really looking to deliver the connected experience. And that sits at the nexus of place, people, technology. And the icing on the cake for us is that uniquely Coca-Cola experience and culture that's a part of everything that we do. So to go just a little bit deeper for the practitioners that are on the call, I wanna share a little bit about how we translate this thinking into the physical design. So we've broken down the experience into different modes. These modes are thought of as zones on work floors. And as we evolve the purpose of place, we believe this foundation is solid and we can adjust the mix as we gather feedback. So we're focused around five modes. The first is connect and launch. This is where you're welcomed, you transition from your commute into the office to being in the office and, and why you're there. The next mode is join and focus. And that's where your team space or your neighborhood is. So that's where you'll find um, the members from your team that are in the office that day and you can start to feel grounded in your work floor and what you're there to do. In Ideate and Collaborate, these are where our collaboration zones are. So whether that's a one-on-one -on -one meeting, a small team meeting, or a large brainstorming session, those will happen in these zones. Next, we have gather and nourish. And this is where you'll socialize, you'll celebrate, you'll eat, you'll drink, um, and you will connect with colleagues. And finally, pause and refresh. This is the area where we really focus on wellness. So these are the areas that you'll find where you can meditate. There's prayer rooms, there's mother's rooms, um, really so that you can focus on self-care. And this is sprinkled throughout the floors. So these different modes and zones combine together in a multitude of ways across the workplace. And again, our intention is that these modes will deliver the expected outcomes that our colleagues have when coming into the office. So that's what I just wanted to share today, and I look forward to the Q&A. Thank you so much. Uh, you gave us a lot to think about. Uh, at first, I'd like to hear you talk about uh, rolling this out. Um, what does success look like um, as you're testing these ideas out and, and actually trying them in your spaces? Yep, so it, it success is going to be when colleagues adopt this hybrid working model. And what does that mean? So as we aren't 
back in the office in a majority of our locations. So when it's safe for our colleagues to return to the office, we'll, we'll measure this and validate it through a little bit of, I'd say, art and science. Um, we're partnering with our HR teams on surveys. Um, there's annual surveys that are typically done. We'll do some targeted surveys and feedback sessions. And then we're also looking at trying to get together a group of volunteers who are willing to track their time kind of in a diary sort of way with a focus on the hybrid model and what we're trying to achieve there. So we can get feedback on what is working and, and from their point of view, what could be working better. Um, we're also going to use data from a lot of the tools that we have already to try and correlate data to behavior as best we can. So, for example, we'll look at um, time on the network and the location. So are we seeing a split of um, in-office network connection and then remote access in the same day? So that might suggest that someone went to the gym in the morning and then came into the office or perhaps was in the office and then left early to go um, to their child's soccer game and then maybe got back on um, after bedtime. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to piece together the qualitative and the quantitative to understand. And um, another one, another example that is that we're going to try and see is we have a global workforce. So looking at the typical eight to five uh, workday in the local time zone, um, understanding what the patterns are, when are people accessing the network, um, and understanding perhaps did they come into the office for the morning and then go home for the rest of the day, which could um, also suggest that they're used, they're, they are being intentional with how they come into the office. So trying to figure out what are the patterns that will support what we believe we're trying to deliver in a hybrid work model and how can we get at that from asking and then also studying data to show us. And I also just want to say that, of course, this is all without knowing that it's Jackie or it's Michael, but they're mm -hmm. unique identifiers that kind of help us because privacy is critical and I think has only grown um, during the pandemic as mm -hmm. people you know, feel like they're being observed. Okay, great. Uh, so the network traffic that you mentioned that tells you if somebody is um, logging in from home or on site, does that tell you which kinds of spaces are being utilized or do you have other tools that you use to, to measure uh, utilization of space types or specific floors and offices? Yeah, so when we get into the actual you know, workplace and we know we're in the office, which is exciting to think about, and it'll be great to be able to return and start really getting into this data. Um, so we're, we're leaning on right now what we have is badge and Wi-Fi access. So for a lot of our locations, what's great is that we have badge in, badge out. So we've got very clear parameters of, of time on campus or time in the office. And um, in a lot of locations where there are multiple floors, um, we're not necessarily badging in and out of floor, so we're using our Wi-Fi access to understand how people, once they enter a central location, are then are then moving vertically. Um, on the floors, we can use Wi-Fi access points to understand a little bit about the zones, which is important. Um, but in those locations where uh, where we do have multiple floors, or as we're suggesting, people use a whole building or a whole campus. What we're going to look for is the number of different Wi-Fi access points that when someone is on campus, okay, did they do one or two Wi-Fi access points, which might suggest, okay, they're pretty much in their neighborhood and maybe a, a meeting room space, depending on how many points we have. But if right. we see them moving, you know, eight, nine, or 10 throughout a day, then that's probably suggesting some movement around the space, which is, okay. which is great. 
so so that's some of the stuff and then um i'd say that a lot of this is again it we haven't done this type of um study yet this is kind of our during covid thinking for post mm -hmm. activity so we're going to figure out how many months of data gathering that we have to do it's not going to be one week of data sets the, <laughs> sets the baseline but um how you know a couple of months and then we can start using that to do you know trend analysis um, and then the final thing I'll say is that we do have some sensor pilots that are going on to understand if that refined location information, because Wi-Fi access points are big zones and you can't tell conference room really or, or you know, desk outside of conference room. Um, but if the refined location information that we get from sensors, um, if the insight that they offer us really warrants the ongoing investment, um, we're going to do some pilots to understand that because um, we're feeling pretty, pretty, you know, bullish about the two data points that we have now. Um, so our preference is to not really add more technology if we don't mm -hmm. have to, um, but if we can grab kind of that digital exhaust from other tools that are already, you know, um, throughout the organization, that's and we've made the investment there. That's where we're going to look to first, and then add on to fill in the gaps. Okay, great. Thank you. I love that phrase, digital exhaust, too. That's that's good. That's free data. Free data. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. We're going to um, learn a little bit about Yardi next, uh, and then I'll introduce our next speaker. Commercial real estate is changing, and Yardi has the right technology to power your strategy. Turn vacancy back into revenue with Yardi Cube the award-winning solution that helps build a thriving co-working community. Improve energy operations with Yardi Pulse, the energy performance platform that helps you operate your buildings from anywhere. Drive asset performance with Yardi Elevate, the technology suite that connects every aspect of real estate operations. Yardi, energized for tomorrow. Very cool. Uh, I'd like to introduce Turner uh, Levison, the Senior Account Executive at Yardi. Uh, Turner's focused on helping CRE occupiers leverage solutions from the Yardi Quorum suite. He was the CEO and co-founder of CommissionTrack, a deal flow and commission management platform for CRE brokerage, which was acquired by Yardi in 2020. Welcome, Turner. Hey, everyone. Um, Nice to meet you and thank you for the introduction and for being our moderator, Michael. Uh, this has been great so far and uh, I am here in Atlanta, so it was uh, a delight to follow Jackie and the Coca-Cola company, which is, of course, um, one of our favorite companies here in Atlanta. And as, as Michael said, I work across our suite of products for corporate occupiers, which is uh, Yardi Quorum, and we'll save the, the pitch for some other time, but today I'm excited to share what we're seeing across both office trends and the opportunities for building owners, property managers, and the businesses that occupy uh, commercial real estate spaces. Um, go to my next slide. And what I'll start with is a study. And in both 2020 and again in, in 2021 this year, Yardi partnered with BOMA, the Building Owners and Managers Association, to do a, a really deep dive study on exactly this topic. It's a 
It's, it's created insights from a nationwide survey of 3,100 plus uh, office space decision makers. And the stats on this slide are from the most recent uh, international COVID-19 commercial real estate impact study. And there's some, some interesting takeaways from here. So uh, the first one, 64% want to know that their building teams are making further expenditures on amenities. I mean, that's not surprising. Um, they want to know that buildings are supporting their tenants in, in efforts to increase organizational culture, connectivity, productivity, but also pretty importantly, well-being in, in the health and safety side. So even little things like uh, updating HVAC systems or a new janitorial policy, uh, all things health and safety are very important to tenants today, which is, is not surprising. If we look at office tenants uh, and kind of how they felt about uh, their building's response to COVID-19, this one was a little surprising to me. Over uh, 75%, 77% approval rating uh, in Q4 of last year to a 86% approval rating in Q2 this year uh, approved of their landlord's response to COVID-19, meaning they were satisfied with the measures taken and uh, are more comfortable than they otherwise would have been in their buildings. And it really just means landlords did a great job of not only investing in new process to protect their occupiers, but they also did a great job of letting them know what they were doing, which was you know, perhaps equally as important. I know when I you know, walk into pretty much any commercial building these days, I'm seeing signage that explains what's going on, new protocol, new janitorial, maybe new HVAC uh, cleansing, and it makes me feel safer as I walk in. Um, this last point, 78% believe that office space is vital to conduct conducting a successful business. So over two thirds, over three out of four occupiers still believe that office space is vital to conducting business. And I know we've seen a lot of, of discussions around this uh, remote work um, and, and we'll dig into that and what some of the data is telling us from both decision makers and, and employees and companies. And, and kind of a spoiler alert here, while office is still vital, the use of, of, of the space has changed and we feel will we'll continue to change. Um, get my slide here. So I kind of want to move and shift into what are the trends and opportunities that we're seeing. And um, you know, one of the first ones and, and is very top of mind is in terms of comfort and vaccination requirements. And there's a pretty wide range from our, our survey respondents, and maybe it isn't surprising, but um, there's really no consensus on whether or not vaccinations will be required to re-enter the, the in-person workplace. Uh, at the time of our survey back in, in Q2, 9% of organizations uh, reported that their workforce is either fully or almost fully vaccinated, and, and then another 79% expect to reach full vaccination by the end of 2021, and only 12% say that this is, is never going to happen or it's not applicable to their business. And, and what does that mean, really, is with the strong confidence in remote work and almost half of all uh, tenants reassessing space needs. You know, what does this off return to office actually look like and, and how is uh, vaccination going to you know, come into play? And, and I think a lot of that is, is still shifting around and, and we don't have a consensus on, on that exact part. If we then look at, well, what are companies doing and, and what are they doing with their space? Most are actually planning their return to office just now. Um, you know, a lot are considering a complete return. Many are considering a 
hybrid approach, some days in, some days remote, or complete flexibility to their employees. Um, and almost 20% of our responders uh, said that they've actually already fully returned to office, uh, which was was surprising. But then, you know, I I, I, um, I do believe we can look back at that that previous data point of how vital office space is to work, and it's in 20% vital enough for everyone to have fully returned. Um, when we look across the study, over 80% uh, of employees were full-time or mostly in office uh, prior to the pandemic. And that number is projected to drop to under 60%, 58% over the next 12 to 18 months uh, from time of study in Q2, which means a, a, a huge segment of the workforce is now shifting to partial or fully remote work, even after uh, COVID subsides. And, and if we look at a quote from the CEO of Brightline Strategies, Michael uh, Broder, he said, most tenants are embracing telework as an opportunity to craft office space that fosters increased in-person and remote productivity while serving as the hub for enhanced culture, communications, and collaboration. And I thought it was really interesting how he, he described office space as the hub for enhanced culture, communication, and collaboration. And, you know, if we look at over 70% of respondents, they're seeing more value in their physical office space because it facilitates the interactions that are essential to keeping the organization productive. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're in office from nine to five every single day. What they're saying is space is necessary for the desired occasional and perhaps frequent in-person team building, culture building, and collaboration that fuels results. And that all goes back into that 78% of companies that believe office space is vital. Uh, we think about commercial property owners and operators and, and delivering strong value to their tenants. Well, and we saw that there was high approval rating. 39% um, of decision makers report they are more likely to renew their leases based on the positive effects of communication, updated policies and processes that were implemented by their, their property manager or landlord in response to the virus. So I wanted to share a couple of the things that owners were seeing do and, and at scale that are opportunities to build this same type of trust with your tenants and, and to you know, see a likelihood for renewal in a space as opposed to you know, perhaps this, this question of do we shift to entirely remote work? A lot of it comes down to, to health and safety. Um, one popular thing is you know, essentially using various methods for cleansing HVAC. Uh, systems within uh, your building is just that airflow is, is ranked as a number one concern by tenants. Increased janitorial as well as signage and, and updates on on what is is going on to combat COVID. We're also seeing an interest in amenities as well as health and safety protocol for those amenities. So think gyms having some means of uh, either higher level of janitorial or uh, lowering or or uh, keeping an eye on how many people are in, in an amenity space at one time. Uh, we are seeing that once people get into the office, they want to leave less. So having food options in the building or drink options in the building. And then also now establishing co-working and flex spaces, which help companies in those buildings easily scale up or scale down uh, as needed for their utilization of the space. And then even into rentable event areas and meeting rooms. So if you downsize your space and then you're having the whole team come in for a quarterly meeting 
and you need an event space for that, having that amenity within your building where you can book by the hours become increasingly important. Um, oh, and I did not realize I had already switched to my, my next slide here, I apologize. Um, if we're looking at this slide for the employees need options, um, I think the key takeaway here is not everyone's work from home situation is the same. And while I think uh, the majority of workers, over 97% of employees, according to a 2020 Grow Motley study, reported not wanting to return to the office full time, only 61% reported that they're comfortable being completely remote. And I'll use myself as an example here. I am not super comfortable being in my home for a meeting like this. All it takes is one FedEx delivery and both of my dogs will go bananas and you would hear nothing but barking and none of me. Um, little things like that are, are a reason why today I'm in the office in many days. I will come into the office uh, under the right circumstances or the right needs for me and, and most employees want that. Um, not everyone's able to you know, have a, a at-home dedicated office where you can close the door and be completely comfortable uh, regardless of circumstance. So uh, we do feel that that is an opportunity for employers. We think about that cultural hub. It's also important to just have options for your employees. If only 61% want to be fully remote, then that means there's a lot that, uh, that do not. And if we think about Yardi, you know, we've implemented this ourselves. We use a, a part of the Quorum platform, 7,500 employees in 45 offices, over 2 million plus square feet is now fully remote. When I came in today, last night, I booked this desk as a desk hotel on our, our phone app, and I'm here today. And each regional manager is able to, to manage that process for their own office. Uh, so that's everything I wanted to say. And, and now let's hop into the, the Q&A and, and answer questions you might have. Thanks, Turner. That's that's great. Uh, one of the things I've been wondering about, and we got a question from the audience along the same lines, are what are some of the challenges that employers face as they transition into a hybrid workspace? And uh, how do they evaluate if hybrid work uh, is appropriate for different uh, kinds of, of functional groups in their organization? That's a great question. Um, I'm gonna, so there are two parts to it and I wanna, I wanna break it up into, into each part. So the first part is how do you create an, an, a, a hybrid workspace? And it's funny because when COVID hit, it was actually very easy to have 7,500 employees go home, to have them no longer coming into the office on somewhat of a one-off basis, determine if any additional equipment was needed and to give them flexibility to bring home maybe an external monitor so you know, they still have that, that same workspace. It is way harder to bring 7,500 people back or to change the way that 7,500 people interact with space. So there's two things that we did. The first was a survey to all employees and we wanted to understand what is your desired use of space? And you basically said, you know, in a given month, I want to come in a couple times a week, I want to come in every day a week, or I'm really only gonna come in a couple times a month. And that allowed us to rethink each of those spaces. If someone with a dedicated office reported they're only gonna come in once or twice a month, that office was changed into a rentable office that you could book by the day using the, the platform that we built for this, Quorum Occupancy Management. Um, 
we then continually monitor. So when I booked this, this desk, I used the application and I filled out a health and wellness survey just to ensure that you know it meets our HR standards of who should be coming into the office. And then that was approved by uh, our, our general manager for Atlanta Dot. Uh, so he you know, was able to see my response, see which desk I had selected. Um, if we wanted to go one layer deeper, you can functionally set up specific dedicated areas for teams, which now I'm kind of drifting into your next uh, question. There's ways that you also want to think about team flexibility and team positioning. So if several members of a team are coming in, you can box off areas where, okay, if you're part of this team, then this is your designated area within mm -hmm. the office and you have access mm -hmm. to a designated conference room that you can also book. Um, but then there's always, of course, like I think about someone who manages racks and servers for uh, a cloud infrastructure facility. And there are roles that unfortunately are not going to lend themselves well to hybrid work. You actually have to be there and you, you are doing something in the office every single day. Right. I think that is for companies to really understand and, and hopefully would manifest itself in, in the survey, but also to first glance, go through your full company and understand who actually does have to be in the office. Are there roles? In many companies, there may be zero roles where that is an absolute requirement and some there may be many. Understanding that on an, an individual company basis is where just thinking through a strategy of who has to be here, who do we want to give options, once we have the results from understanding uh, where people, where their interest is in terms of utilizing the space lies, then we can understand, okay, how do we want to set up the spaces? Then long term, now we're thinking from going live on hybrid to whichever lease renewal is coming up next, analyzing the data. So if we have X number of square feet, but we're only utilizing on average a day, 25% of it, well, when we get to that renewal, we can contract down our space or even consider not renewing and providing uh, the team with a co-working option where if you want to um, set up a WeWork membership to someone who wants an office every day, you can and the company would fund it or the company taking out a WeWork space and then utilizing you know, something like Quorum on top of it uh, to book different desks within that space. Okay. So a lot of yeah. analytics will go into long-term decision making. Excellent. Thank you. That's great. Um, we need to, to learn a little bit more about Join Digital next, uh, and then we'll have you back for the panel discussion at the end. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone. And Join was able to light up the Wi-Fi service in an 18-day turnaround. So we've been working successfully with Join for two years now, and it's been a true partnership. We have happy mutual customers uh, with, you know, that's really backed up by the customer service and the quality of the service that JOIN provides. Hey, Travis. Hey, Michael. How are you? Good. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to, to our audience. Travis Perkins is the VP of Customer Experience at JOIN. Um, he's, uh, his team focuses on delivering new and innovative experiences to commercial real estate owners, operators, and their tenants. Travis has 10 plus years in customer experience, working for a wide range of technology companies in the cybersecurity and real estate verticals. Welcome, Travis. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Realcom, for allowing us to be here. And thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us today. Um, as Michael said, I'm Travis Perkins, Vice President of Customer Experience at Join. 
Um, and I really want to talk to you today uh, on, a, on a couple of key topics. And it's really about not, all, not only all the things that both Jackie and Turner just mentioned um, around how do you differentiate the, the workplace, how do you draw people back to the workplace, um, but I want to talk about what that's led to in terms of challenges for both the tenants uh, as well as building owners. So as we know, the, the real priority today is rebuilding occupancy, right, in a safe um, and manageable way. Um, today it's, you know, how do I get people back into the office safely? Tomorrow it's now how do I compete with the comforts of home? How do I uh, ensure that if the intent um, for bringing people back is to focus on collaboration, not just butts and seat, um, how do I sort of um, narrow that that digital divide, that gap, if you will, that exists today. Uh, for the longest, uh, building owners were really just focused on providing power, providing water, providing a lease, uh, and then the rest was sort of up to the tenant. Now, fast forward to uh, even pre-COVID, we're starting to see these trends, but now throughout COVID, where that just no longer holds up. It's how are you differentiating your property? So again, using technology both to draw tenants back to the workplaces in a safe um, in a safe manner. Started off as we've seen already with um, signage, stickers, etc. Uh, always love the stickers in the elevator that are facing the walls, as an example. Um, but tomorrow it's really about, or I even should say today, it's about now understanding the space. Knowledge workers uh, are just that. They're incredibly knowledgeable. They're, they're curious about their surroundings, their space, even more so now. Um, I can't tell you how many owners have told us that they've had more conversations about MERV ratings um, over the last 6 to 12 months um, than they ever had over the last 12 to 24 years. Um, and so workers are, are hyper aware now of their space. And so how do you provide not only digital amenities such as, you know, high speed connectivity and security, um, but things like indoor air quality sensing, um, the ability for that data then to be democratized and pushed down to the individual knowledge workers um, is super key. Um, and as we'll talk about in just a moment, that's just something that's a bit foreign to not only the tenants themselves, um, but also to the building owners. We're also seeing now, how do I use technology to differentiate my property, right? Previously, it was just about location, 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 um, but now it's about what is this building going to offer the users of that building, uh, both in common area spaces. We're seeing a huge investment um, in common areas, both in lobby spaces, um, amenity spaces, uh, et cetera. Um, but it's about how do you actually ensure then that those spaces are safe, they're healthy, but they're also designed for productivity. You know, as Jackie was saying, using things like Wi-Fi sensing to understand how people are using space, we think that's super key. Uh, and a lot of our customers um, are, are looking to us to, to provide that level of data to them as well. Uh, it's one thing to say, hey, we had X number of people badge into the building, that's great, but then how was the space actually being utilized? So there was this great um, amenity space that we invested nine, ten million dollars in. Not only are people using it, but uh, how are they using it? Are they using it for work? Are they using it for um, uh, for social media or other types of use cases? Uh, the reality is, in order for you to, as an owner and a tenant, um, better fit your space and, and better uh, uh, create spaces, you have to understand how it's being utilized, and you can't wait weeks, months, years. 
um, and sending out surveys and things like that to understand how space is being utilized. You want to really get those insights almost immediately so that you can, again, adjust with the next normal, the next normal, and the next normal. Um, and then again, really it's about taking all of this data, all of this interesting insights that you're grabbing um, and constantly evolving your messaging, uh, how you're actually delivering these services and amenities to tenants uh, and the, the individual knowledge workers that are occupying that space. I talked a little bit about the widening gap that we're seeing you know, previously sort of pre-COVID the most you really had to kind of worry about was co-working, right? And what drove those decisions was really about, hey, I need to have some some bodies in here for uh, the next few months, as an example. Uh, but the idea is that I sign a lease on a Friday, move in on a Monday, the tech is there, most of the work that's happening today and even pre-COVID was very much cloud-based work. I'm logging into Salesforce or AWS or some of these other tools. Um, and so it was a little bit less frictionless. The owner really didn't have to think about much. Hey, I'm, I'm leasing some space to a WeWork or or like um, uh, or a Flex by BXP. Uh, and it's you know quite simple, right? I just provide the space, provide some of these amenities and folks come in and they can transact and, um, and, and, uh, and that's absolutely fine. Now, fast forward to today where it's hybrid, you're having some folks in co-working, some people in spec suites, uh, a number of people at home, some people coming back to the core office. It's incredibly dynamic and it's ever-changing. Uh, and uh, as we heard from Turner, you know, he's in a, a particular seat today that he basically just booked as a, as a hot desk or, or a hoteling type, uh, type setup. Um, so tomorrow it could be somebody else in that seat and Turner might be in a, in a different property altogether. And the reality is technology is so key to then enabling not only uh, to be productive so that you can literally just show up, plug in and off you go, um, but also how do you make sure that you're understanding all of that context to how that work is being done, how much time people are spending in the office and what they're doing uh, with that time or again in a flex location or at home. Getting data and, and insights from that is incredibly key. Um, and so what we're seeing is um, on the tenant and owner side uh, is really, again, this widening gap. And I'll, I'll move forward a little bit um, a little bit more quickly because what we're seeing today in terms of the, the actual um, uh, uh, how things are being delivered is really siloed. So owners are constantly getting a new system that hardly talks to another system and another system, and another system, and another system. And what they've left with now is all of these siloed data sources. Um, and this widening gap. Now with an integrated stack, a converged network as a service, et cetera, you're able to basically have all of these systems that can see each other, that can talk to each other, that really make it easy to deliver all of the things that we were talking about, whether it be co-working, hybrid, uh, or flexible work, all in a, a single stack. And so again, it's really about an owner investing in that technology, the core, the foundation of that particular building to differentiate their properties, um, but then really connect those knowledge workers uh, with the work that they're doing, whether that's, again, actual building operations or the IT side, um, so connecting folks to uh, to their work. And then, of course, they're only as good as the insights, the data that you're able to draw out of that. And so putting together things like dashboards that really help owners understand, again, how space is being utilized, uh, how networks are being utilized, um, so that they can constantly evolve as the pandemic evolves and as the way we work uh, evolves as well. Uh, amazing, thank you. 
Um, we've got a couple questions from the audience for the group, but while you still have the mic, I, I wanted to ask, um, based on, on what you just said, what are some things that office owners can implement to you know, proactively um, get their buildings ready for tenants and their distributed workforces? Yeah, and I had to skip over it a little quickly, but um, that converge, that software-defined converge network, I think is super critical. Um, one, because that really serves as the, the backbone, the starting point, that platform, for then building all of these digital amenities on top of it in a way that isn't then having to go to McKinsey or some of these other consultancies to put all of this in practice. Um, because the reality is, as I was talking about those silos, every time those silos change or you add another silo, it has to re-architect the entire uh, technology stack versus coming in really with a platform that allows you to not only build great digital experiences on top of it, but as those requirements of the knowledge workers of the tenants evolve, uh, that you can more quickly adapt uh, and also then gather those insights out of it. So I think really starting, it's not necessarily you have to boil the ocean and, and do every <laughs> single whiz bang thing, um, mm -hmm. But coming in with a foundation, a technology foundation that you can then build upon uh, right. is super critical. Yeah, that makes sense. Great. Thank you. Uh, we'll have you back for the panel. Thanks. Perfect. Thanks so much. So let's learn a little about MRI software. The role of the workplace is to drive collaboration, engagement, and business results. But with hybrid work schedules, shifting needs, and various health requirements, bringing employees together as a team is harder than it used to be. With MRI, you can bring people back to the office in a way that suits their needs and the needs of the business. Create a safe, flexible, and productive work environment with space planning and reservation tools that empower employees to make optimal use of your workplace. Control the flow of employees and visitors in and out of the office with solutions that give you a full view of who's on site and who's working remotely. Leverage technology to evaluate usage and business demand, optimizing your space and plan for the office of the future. Reinvent your workspace into a thriving workplace. Great. Uh, so help me welcome Andy Birch, VP of Product Marketing for MRI. Um, and he's an experienced business software professional with a unique blend of marketing, technical, industry, product, and sales experience with proven success in delivering programs that achieve game-changing results. Andy's particularly strong at taking complex issues and turning them into understandable value propositions for customers and partners. Welcome, Andy. Thanks, Michael. Um, part of that is just because I've been around a long time and seen a lot of things. So <laughs> <laughs> we can get into that more at the end of this session. Um, I, I guess, like, I really uh, am just summarizing what a lot of the other people have said. Uh, I know that there's um, a different audience. Uh, today, we have both owners on the call and we have some occupiers on the call as well. So I guess from an owner perspective, what we're really hearing and what you need to understand is that there's certain challenges that face occupiers today um, and where the owner operators of real estate can really 
help their tenants is in terms of understanding the challenges that they face um, on what the implications are for the buildings that you uh, manage and operate. So really what we've heard today kind of boils down into three things. An occupier today needs to understand uh, the space requirements they have today and into the future. So bearing in mind um, the surveys that we've all done, you know, MRI have run a survey of all of our staff in terms of what they want to do, the majority of which have come back that they do appreciate somewhat of that kind of hybrid kind of working environment. So what does that mean in terms of the space requirements in the office? How do we uh, adjust what we provide around those space requirements? And indeed, some of what Travis said about the, the, those collaboration spaces on those meeting spaces and how does that fit into um, your planning for your particular uh, building in the future. Second is understanding um, the fact that those occupiers want to be nimble in terms of transforming the business to an agile workplace. So uh, understanding that what they decide today for their workers and what, on what they um, might respond in terms of their requirements today may change rapidly as we move forwards both in the current pandemic but beyond that into how they're going to work in the future and i'll touch on that a little bit more in a minute and then finally many people have got used to that working from home and got used to the comforts of working from home um, and there's increased pressures on it providing an employee experience that is um provides that kind of comfort that they have uh, some confidence in the safety and security of that working environment, and they're happy to come in and are motivated to be within uh, that, that workplace. It was interesting um, to see uh, Jackie's presentation earlier. I think that kind of touched on a number of things around this, that the more progressive, definitely some of the larger companies out there are uh, looking to move beyond the kind of reactive facilities manager to actually put in place someone that is really looking strategically across the whole organization about the uh, workplace and workforce experience and how they kind of bring in that together uh, to actually motivate um, that, that workforce moving forwards and balance that employee requirement versus the company kind of productivity. So really what I've said here summarizes into smart, nimble experiences. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail as we go through these slides. So from a smart perspective, I think most of this, at least on the left-hand side around properties, you're already looking at. So you're looking at the fact that you no longer kind of need a, an actual physical key uh, to get into a building. You can do it through some kind of digital keypad, some kind of card, through your, your mobile phone. You just tap it uh, against the sensor. It could be a fingerprint uh, uh, moving forwards. There's the IoT element and the sensors within the building um, that, that control whether the lights come on, whether when you're in the washroom, the tap comes on when you put your hand under it, and on all of that great stuff, which is intended to help 
in terms of the energy and sustainability elements of, of how those, those buildings run. What we will see though, however, is increasing use of how we connect all of those components together. So how we have the concept of how lights, HVAC, um, all of that is controlled through the uh, workplace management systems. So at MRI, not only are we using uh, the system to necessarily kind of book a desk in the office, but that actually might control uh, things like heating, cooling. I'm based in Canada. So if I went into the office in the winter, I don't just want that uh, thermostat to kick in when I actually reach the door. I want it to have been heating up for the last hour or so to get it up to the right temperature for me when I kind of walk into that building. As part of that, we also need to consider that um, with this kind of hybrid workforce, we may have much fewer staff in the building or at certain locations at different points um, as part of that uh, as part of that hybrid workforce um, coming in. So what we're seeing there is that we're starting to uh, make more use of things like uh, geofencing uh, and intelligent kind of gates and so on uh, for for the building premises about how that. Uh, how that person um, is checked in or out of those premises, as well as alerts and notifications to improve the emergency management uh, across the building. From a prop tech perspective, um, that also then leads into things like, well, how do I automate uh, some of those activities? How do I integrate them together to ensure that it's a smarter uh, experience for that person uh, coming in. We see that a lot now in terms of the lease abstraction process and how contracts um, are digitized in order to ensure that we fully understand the requirements of those commercial leases. I can see Michael on the screen, so I'm going to step through a little bit quicker. Um, in terms of that, uh, uh, from a nimble perspective, then, um, as uh, Turner said and Travis said, you know, what we're seeing as well is that we're seeing people have a need to book um, a, a space in the office. That actually goes beyond just booking the space. It's, well, what does that mean in terms of booking amenities to go with that space? As you book that conference, how do you create it so that it automatically um, uh, sends in the cleaning crew before or after that meeting to um, get that, that space ready. Um, at MRI, we're also shifting things like how we work as a development team. So for instance, it's not just an individual, it might be booking um, not just a whole team in place, but, a team, but we're shifting to actually have our development teams organized by initiative. So now they want a space not based on a team profile, but by an initiative profile. So you can have those different models loaded in the uh, workplace management system to allow people to actually book a space or spaces uh, to support that, that need. I'm just going to shift to experiences now. So the other part of that is that all of those components have to be able to easily access for people that are actually booking this uh, in a casual way. It's not 
just done by a facilities person. You need someone to be able to pick up their phone, load the app, book a meeting space, uh, put in their kind of COVID um, vaccination details, et cetera, into that um, at each time that they come into the office. And that needs to be intuitive because they're not necessarily doing this uh, every day. So I guess in terms of the uh, owner that's listening on the call, what do we need to be aware of? Well, you're probably already working on the left-hand side. Um, the, the great thing about the real estate industry is sometimes we've been known, um, I think incorrectly as laggards, but I think we've been looking at energy usage. We've been looking at things like leads ratings for many years now and actually configuring workspaces to be more efficient um, and more appropriate to improve that, that employee experience for a number of years. But I think the differentiation is really on the right-hand side in terms of increasing adoption around uh, really optimizing that workspace with workplace analytics. And the fact that it's not just the WeWorks of the world that need to think about uh, workplace as a service, but maybe all of the people listening on this phone need to be thinking about how they put in place uh, solutions to, to help with that moving forwards. Key thing from our perspective is that we're seeing a shift definitely for um, owner operators to move from lease centric to being client centric and ensuring that they're improving the quality of the experience of the uh, occupiers that they have in their buildings. So finally, just saying that you need to think about reinventing your workspace into a thriving workplace. Fortunately, uh, there's technology there to support that uh, process uh, for your organizations. Uh, questions, Michael? Yeah, thanks. I have, I have a lot. Um, I, you know, I think some people think about buildings as kind of fixed static objects, um, but you've talked about them as ecosystems beyond rooms full of desks, connected systems, amenities, and services. Uh, what does, uh, you use the word flexibility in your presentation, what does that look like in buildings and in tenant spaces as we think about buildings in this more kind of comprehensive way? I think it just means that you can use the spaces to be a little bit more dynamic. Um, so, you know, example might be that um, historically, one of your tenants might have had a meeting space full of desks with a couple of meeting rooms at the end. Um, they no longer necessarily want to have that work in that way, or they don't necessarily want to have to have someone on site, on site five days a week that manages those facilities and those spaces. So through the use of technology, um, you could actually have um, those spaces actually dynamically allocated to different organizations that are using your, your premises. Mm. And uh, um, you're able to easily book through not just an app, but through Outlook directly, um, those spaces, even if they're shared, uh, and be able to say, yeah, I want this space, and I also want um, a coffee, breakfast, uh, being served in in that space 
at this particular time. So, so the reality is, is that the, um, the flexible savvy building owner operator can actually drive additional revenues from this um, by having that technology in place to ensure that those uh, meeting spaces, other collaborative areas are allocated and available on a regular basis. That's that's great, and that reminds me of a question that we have for all of the panelists. So uh, I'd like to take the opportunity to invite Jackie, Turner, and Travis back to join us, and I'll I'll ask everyone about that. Thanks so much, Andy. Okay. Great. Okay, uh, and I was going to use this opportunity also to prompt the audience to send us some more questions. If you have something that comes to mind uh, as we discuss, please drop that in the in the window. Uh, so Andy just mentioned somebody being able to use something as familiar as Outlook to uh, reserve a room or space in a in a building, um, and and that gets to an audience question about how do we kind of bridge this gap between systems that each of the tenants might be running for their spaces and then a system that uh, that the building owner has adopted for the whole building would love to have your thoughts on um, what that means for tenants and building owners and then kind of what's the experience of uh, of an employee who's coming into that building yeah, and I, I, if, if you know, don't mind, I'll, I'll take a quick stab at that. I think the there used to be a very strict firewall between owner and tenant uh, in terms of beyond the suite door. It was totally up to the tenant, um, and we are definitely seeing that erode quite a bit. So things like access control, just as an example, where um, owners were basically saying, hey, this is our access control system in the building. You can kind of get on with or not, and then the tenant could use something like an open path or proxy or some of these others. Um, and so I think what you're also now seeing is owners willing to invest in technology and then extend it in through the suite doors, because the reality is you're not going to necessarily get all 100% tenants to get on board with whatever technology you're deploying. But if you can try to make it as seamless as possible, as frictionless as possible for as many of the tenants and knowledge workers that are coming in the space, I think that's a uh, a huge win so that the individual employee, when they're coming in, they don't have to fumble around with their phone to get into this door, key card to get into this door, and, and so forth and so on. Um, and we think uh, both from a platform perspective, as I was mentioning earlier, having that technology platform that is easy to then deliver tenant services as well as building services, that's a great starting point for um, um, for getting that frictionless, that, um, that, that sort of ease, if you will, of, of using a building um, into place or into motion. Yeah, and uh, to kind of piggyback off of that, I think spot on the money in terms of that erosion between what the landlord is willing to provide to the tenant or what types of technology the, the landlord is now bringing the tenant into. And, and some of that may be access. So I think it's already Bluepoint, which now extends into the tenants to be able to manage their visitors as well as the building to manage uh, visit access for things like janitorial. What we're seeing a huge trend in from an owner's perspective is this concept of taking space in the building and having it be an amenity and bookable by segments of time by any tenant in the building. So, you know, this isn't 
WeWork coming in as a co-working business that is leasing space and then essentially releasing space in the form of membership. This is a building amenity that gives tenants more flexibility to do things like have an office that is, you know, roughly enough size for all of the desks that are needed to fit within it. And that tenant not needing to then also double their spend on having a conference room for the two times a week that they need a conference room. And the building providing a solution where everyone in the building, whether or not they know each other, is able to access different space, book it uh, by the hour, and then utilize those amenities in a way that is driven by technology. So that, that's a theme that we're seeing more and more of is um, essentially this open space that is an amenity, whether or whether or not the building monetizes it is up to the building. Mm -hmm. um, but it is certainly something that tenants seeking space today are interested in understanding. You know, can I flex up and down? Do you have event spaces I can, can rent within the building? Uh, and that drives decision-making and comfort in the space. Okay. Is there necessarily a, a push and pull with that system? Is it is it something that the building owner is likely going to be the ultimate decision-maker for some of those shared spaces? Or could a, a large tenant... Um, flex a little bit and, and and push something that they really feel is is needed uh, that might be a benefit to other tenants in that same building. It's hmm. an interesting question. <laughs> uh, you know, if I if a tenant is occupying ninety plus percent of a building and has some unique needs that could also benefit uh, the rest of the occupiers there. I'm sure the landlord will listen more than if a five percent occupier comes to them with an idea. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it ultimately, the, the purchase and the decision in these cases where it is a shared amenity, a technology for the building, uh, needs to be made by the building owner and then delivered to the tenants in a way that is accessible and easy for them to use. And, and mm -hmm. Okay, great. I'm curious on Jackie's uh, perspective uh, on that, because I'm <laughs> sure you're in some buildings where you guys do have such a large swath of, uh, of, of footprint and probably other buildings where, where you don't. What, what is your perspective on, on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm aligned with that. It comes down to who's doing the negotiating for you. I think when it comes to those the, the conversations with the landlord, I think it's certainly and in past roles we've worked, I've worked closely with the landlord to come up with these shared spaces. And it, I think a lot of it also pre-pandemic was coming from utilization data as tenants were getting more savvy in how people are, you know, how their client their their employees are coming in. You know, Friday was always a bit quiet and that was becoming a social norm pre-pandemic, maybe a little bit on Mondays and then you're peaking, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, as you look to reduce that peak and then also look throughout the year, how might your year look? Um, so there might be what's your fiscal close of business and then you might have certain teams that are in um, all the time because they need to be together or on the network in a way that they can't facilitate from home. So as you look at those peaks and valleys, um, you know, understanding a, bu a building's ability to flex with you without it having to be your space, um, but still connected to your space in a way that might be different from a WeWork location, um, I think becomes more, more important now. Great. We've certainly seen that with a few of our occupier clients where, you know, fortunately, for them, they've had like the, the, the kind of utilization, the analytics capability uh, to look at how the building is being used for some time. And, and as a result, 
the occupy themselves to generate an extra revenue by subletting uh, the premises um, when suits them basically um, and and how and again pre-pandemic how, how the building was being utilized uh, by their employees so we've seen that in a, a number of things a couple of major banks um, in Canada in actual fact that uh, that are using that type of um, analysis. And, uh, it's like the air, it's the Airbnb of space. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, and exactly. I think then that, gets, that gets back to the earlier conversation. I think Travis was talking about the, the frictionless, the systems. How is your backbone? Uh, how can you make your network open so you could then open up floors for people to come into on a, on a certain day without impacting the cybersecurity of your own network so how can you offer amenities um as people are coming in it really it really becomes that um yeah the, the airbnb best wi-fi best coffee where am i going to go and rent my space i think i think definitely um we're seeing that this is causing uh, leasing people in um, owner operators um headaches uh, because basically they've got to completely reinvent the leasing process you're not having those same kind of all-encompassing 10-year kind of leasing agreements you're starting to see a quite a different kind of model uh, for those agreements moving forwards to, to piggyback off of something andy you mentioned earlier around the occupier's ability to <clears throat> monetize unused space by way of subletting i actually have a, a question, a trend that we've seen from, and really kind of feedback from the brokerage community, particularly on the tenant rep side, is a change in structure from contract is the language around is sublets and giving the landlord more rights from a restricting or declining or denying mm. the tenant to sublet. And I'm wondering, Jackie, if on your end, any new leases you've executed, if you've noticed this or this is a discussion point that from an occupier side is, is being had as well uh it's a good question it's not something i can weigh in on from a coca-cola point of view um but i do know i can say from past experiences the flexibility uh it was certainly something we i hadn't gotten to in in past organizations but it was definitely part of it it's our option do we size down and mm -hmm. and then expand as we need or do we do we maintain you know what our peak might be and then <clears throat> arrange that in a way that we could then allow people to come in to what Andy was saying and basically yeah. you know rent our space um, for for a little bit and what you know what does that mean for for our lease? It was early on in those conversations um, mm -hmm. and the market changes. I think it's all with. We're definitely, I was definitely seeing a couple of years ago, the 10 year lease was being questioned quite a bit, you know, five year felt a little bit better. Um, then that changes, you know, FF and E and depreciation questions start to come into play too, but definitely was seeing the market change there a couple, a couple of years ago. Great, thank you. Uh, we've gotten a couple of questions about hybrid work and, uh, Something that that comes to mind as I think about hybrid work is that caregivers and and oftentimes their their women are not going to be able to come back to the office as soon as other colleagues. Um, they may need to divide their time between 
home offices and, and being with coworkers on site. Uh, in considering that, what are some ways that we can make hybrid offices be as equal as possible for all participants? Somebody on the phone doesn't isn't left behind or or feeling excluded, uh, missing out on information that's happening on site. Yeah, I I can start with that. Um, it's one of those things that I'm looking at as a as a a core deliverable. We're we're all equal right now as boxes on the screen. What happens when when that dynamic changes? Um, and it's I think it's. Although as a working mom, I can certainly relate. I was waiting to pick up my son yesterday and on Teams answering questions because yesterday was an abnormal day with some holidays. There was an after school care. And there I stood, you know, waiting for the 210 release. And then I, you know, came home and got back, um, you know, on the network. But I think it's more so if the organizations, if everyone's doing it, then it doesn't, then it, then it's okay. If I see my manager working, from her remote location and I'm in the office and 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 vice versa and we've seen team members doing it, mm -hmm. that normalizes it. So, you know, first of all, it's the behavior and having everyone participate and understanding if in your organization, is it a policy that needs to be set and followed? Is it leading by example? Is it multiple things that are going to get it to work? So everyone has to be playing the same game. And then after that, it is what what are the technology pieces? And there are, we've got some assumptions again that we'll be testing in terms of of our 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 on laptop technology pairing with our in office technology, and then some things around um, if you're if you're in the office, you're on camera, right? It's not you know, so there's just going to be some things that we're going to play with around social norms, although. Um, we're not saying you always have to be on camera when you're in a meeting now, which feels a little bit different when someone doesn't turn their camera on. But mm -hmm. as we get back into the office, I think we're going to start to play with that a little bit, too. Um, and it'll, it'll really be up to the teams to kind of figure out their social norms. But it is we've got to be able to collaborate. We're, we're making some bets on, you know, the collaboration technologies. We'll see how they play out. Um, and then it's really around kind of everybody playing the same game. Yeah. I think from my perspective, it's um, it usually it, it, I would say it comes down to equity. Um, and I think from my perspective, there is a lot of that is behavior driven. Um, as Jackie was mentioning, I think normalizing, you know, it's OK to have a day where guess what? I don't want to be on camera. Right. <laughs> and and that be OK and, it, and not be, oh, are they, you know, at uh, Disneyland today? <laughs> they just don't want to turn on their camera having a vacation or something along those lines. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I think then also then using technology as the way to deliver that equity so that regardless of where you decided to work that day, that you aren't playing from behind, that you are actually um, uh, equal in terms of, you know, bringing your best self to to work. And, and we think that while um, technology is the way to deliver that, I think so much of that is also intertwined with um, just, again, social norms and also setting the right tone. Uh, within the company um, as well. I think that, you know, at MRI, we were kind of lucky um, a couple of years back. Uh, we, we've been through significant acquisition growth. Um, so it meant that we had a very kind of disparate kind of workforce in, in, in multiple countries uh, around the world. So we invested 
quite significantly in the technology in pretty much all the meeting rooms in, in all of the offices uh, to have the, like the video conferencing and like these little cameras that kind of track you as you move around the room and everything based on, on who's speaking. So we've tried to enforce a policy where pretty much everyone's got to be on camera all the time in, in meetings. I hate it, but I do it. But um, yeah, <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we, we try and do that. But I mean, there's some basic process and protocol kind of things that you can do within meetings in terms of giving people the, the chance to speak and go around the room and using things like, you know, on Teams where you raise a hand before you actually talk that, that kind of stuff. Um, so, so we try to do a fair amount of that as well as kind of leave time at the end of, of meetings to ensure that everyone's had uh, a, a say dependent on what the what kind of meeting it is and whether it's just a simply a town hall presentation or or whether it's like a team meeting or, or something like that great thanks uh okay so i guess on this trend of uh you know trying to to draw people back into the office when appropriate uh, i'm reminded of you know, travis you were talking about the workplace needing to compete with home uh, mm. to to be the best place to work. Now that we've gotten very used to our our home setups, those of us who who enjoy those. Uh, so, what are some ways that that you all think that uh, an office can beat the home as the best place to be to do your work to to really be a draw rather than something that your boss expects you to come to, uh, you know, a certain number of days a week. Yeah, and, and I think it was actually Jackie that had uh, said this. It's really being intentional about the office as a whole. Um, it's not now there to just be, here's a seat and button seat, and that's that. I think it's about intentional and, and understanding what do we want this space to, to deliver? What outcomes are we looking to deliver to employees? Is it really about collaboration? Is it about socializing? Is it about, again, all the things, I'm sorry to steal your thunder, Jackie, all the things that you uh, went through in your presentation, I thought that was super, super thoughtful. And it's, so it's, it's not just anymore of having some collection of seats and that's that, it's really about what are we trying to deliver in these spaces? Um, and I think that will then lead folks to, to really want to come back to the office. Oh, I, I really miss engaging with my colleagues or we have this big project and I really want to start whiteboarding. All these different things that you're looking for, now you have a specific fit for that. Okay, I know that if I want to collaborate with this team on my team on this project, we should all come together on, on these particular days. And when we come into the office, there might not even be seats. It's really just, you know, a, a great, a great big room or something along those lines that really is mm -hmm. designed to foster that collaboration. Um, or again, I actually need to be heads down um, and really focus and there's too many distractions at home. So maybe there's really quiet sort of uh, library type settings where I can come in, plug in and get and get to work. And so I think it's being intentional yeah. about creating those spaces. Um, and, and again, as I've, I've said multiple times, it's really about technology as enabling that um, mm -hmm. uh, that as a starting point. Yeah, what those are probably varies widely by company culture and absolutely different um, groups as we were asked about before. Mm -hmm. Well, and even while the way that you arrange the space and what technology you use needs to be intentional, also having even at the management layer or team lead layer intention when you request 
your cohorts and team to be in the office and to be inclusive from a ensuring that across that team that you're requesting to come in, there's some consensus on availability so that you're not creating a situation where five of six are in the office and the sixth, you know, wasn't able to make that day and, and certainly, you know, could and, and probably would feel left out. So it's both the people and a process uh, that need to, to come together for leveraging space and maximizing, you know, having output come from being in place. The one last thing I would just add to that, I think a lot of this is the the soft skills. It is everything the office can provide, but it goes to change management. And sometimes when I hear that, I'm like, oh, but when for the change management professionals out there, like it, this is it. And so it's it's making sure that our the managers who are subject matter experts in whatever the job is that they're doing can also now become subject matter experts in connecting teams, um, you know, both remotely and in person. And I think some of maybe the initial gut reactions in COVID um, around my team's not working, it's because they couldn't lay eyes on them. And that's mm -hmm. how it happened in the past. And whether or not that they were actually working, it was, you know, that was proxy for being productive because so you could see them. So it's understanding what, what does your team and what do the individuals on your team need to be productive and how do I bring them together and when um, to what Turner was saying so no one feels left out and and we can build that you know the culture so that when we're not physically we keep working and I do think it's you know it's it's training it's change management it's constant evolution and communication um, and your HR kind of partner role um, starts to play a, a different level of importance than it ever has before okay um, so thinking about getting people together again uh, seems a little bit weird. I know when I watched old movies and TV shows and I saw a crowd of people, I kind of got the willies because um, it seemed like a bad idea for a while. Um, with vaccines and um, kind of rules and regulations changing, it's it's now becoming more reasonable to uh, get people together. Uh, we got a couple questions about um, mandates for vaccines and or testing. Uh, as part of the uh, procedures of getting people back into the office. Um, and I don't want to step on any political landmines with that, but um, want your thoughts on uh, maybe we could focus on how can we pivot gracefully as conditions change? If there's a reason to close down again or have a, a pod of, of coworkers um, who are you need to stay at home for a while because there was a case. Um, what are some ways that that we can gracefully um, use some of the tools you've talked about to adapt to changing conditions? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a great question, and I think throughout all of this, um, transparency is is number one and super key. It's not necessarily just a we're mandating, you know, X number of employees be vaccinated if you want to come back in or, you know, filling out a health screener, et cetera, et cetera. It's really about communicating both actually at the building level, um, but also at the individual tenant level around what it is you are doing to ensure this is a safe working environment for employees to come back in. Um, and so I think there is, you know, every company is going to take a different approach um uh to this and, and i know there's different mandates from the federal state and, and local levels as well um and so it, adhering to those but i think 
not making these decisions in a silo and being closed about those um, uh, and being incredibly open about what you're mm-hmm. doing and, and how you're communicating that. Um, but then potentially even taking it a, a step further and, and again, coming back to tech technology, doing things like I think Turner and, and Jackie both mentioned, you know, when you come into the office, fill out a health screener, screener whether you're vaccinated or not, um, uh, understanding you know spatial utilization. And is this space really designed for 50 people or is it actually designed for five or 10 people? Um, and, and making sure that then um, things like social distancing and those guidelines can be um, enforced and, and shared. And then again, I think part of it is also democratizing that data, pushing it down to the individual knowledge work- workers. So that they understand when they're coming into a space, what are they coming into? Um, has you know 90% of the desk been booked, or has it actually only been 10%? So me as an individual, what's my individual sort of tolerance level? Do I want to say that if it's you know again low utilization, I feel more comfortable coming in, or do I really not care? Um, it's really up to the individual. But again, democratizing that data, being transparent about what you're doing, I think are the uh, the real key points. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that I would add, Michael, is is that um, we are dealing with very sensitive data. So having a workplace management solution that can be uh, integrated with or talk to the workforce management system, ensure that the you know that there's a the, the privacy controls are are in the solution to manage data that's being entered, mm-hmm. both in terms of, you know, in terms of things like someone comes into the office, they have to fill in um, like a COVID questionnaire is who who can see that afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Um, having, having the right controls um, around that and ensuring that you're protecting uh, the employee privacy or, or in the case of a, a, a an owner that's running a building, consider now that you're actually dealing with the privacy of your tenants um, mm. and so on as, as well, and any visitors to that building for that matter. So it's just ensuring that that is set up appropriately with the right kind of access for the right individuals in the organization uh, to be able to see or not see as the case may be. Sure, okay. That's a great segue to another um series of questions that have come in. And I think this will probably have to be our, our last question for you. I, I feel like we could spend the whole day um, talking about all of these these subjects. But uh, this is it's about um, privacy and, and data, just as you were talking about, Andy. Uh, originally, a, a question came in for, for you, Jackie, based on that um, uh, nugget that you dropped into your presentation about anonymizing um, your tracking of employees. that is uh, a choice that your organization made. Uh, I'm wondering if you can advise other organizations on the pros and cons of uh, using anonymized versus um, actually tracking each employee. And um, somebody else asked about uh, tracking productivity and um, if that's something that one would advise uh, a leader uh, if they should do or not do. Uh, so we'd love to hear some thoughts on data privacy and, and kind of the, the pros and cons of different approaches. 
So yeah, I'll just the the productivity one and tracking productivity for knowledge workers only because of my history in the sustainability space, and we were always mm -hmm. trying to prove, you know, lead buildings and access to light, you know, improves productivity. And, and as a knowledge worker, unless you're making widgets, you know, on on a line that's got a very specific, you know, you can hold that constant. Changing things around, it's it's a very difficult one to to prove out productivity in a in a data measurable way. I, people have written books about it will argue with me, but we just haven't been able to. Yeah, you know, busy to, and not busy is not the same as productive. Right, right, yes, bingo. Um, so what we say around data privacy, it's never, uh, for us, whether or not a particular person is in the office, that's that's not what we're trying to do. This is not, um, and we have to be very careful. I remember in the past when I first started putting out utilization reports prior to um, Coca-Cola, we showed that we showed the trend line on, you know, Fridays, uh, there's office access, but then there's also remote access. And actually both were down and we had one manager go, oh, my people aren't working on Friday. And I thought, oh gosh, this is, this is not our intention. We are, this is not a proxy <laughs> for you checking in on your people. And so like we had to be very careful that that is not what we're trying to do here. So what we get it back to is, you know, the, the business level. What are the questions that we're trying to answer? And really it comes back to, you know, a, a business is, is mapped to a certain space. You know, they're talking about how many seats they think they need to be, you know, to, to have their team together. How is that working? And and really, um, as we think about moving around a building, you, you know, it's a laptop. We want to understand unique laptop movements but not whether it's jackie or michael or travis's because we're just we're understanding the the employees as you know as a whole and maybe then we can tap it one more back to the the business line and and give a sense of that but you know just as when you do 360 evaluations and um mm. you know give, give feedback up it's never it's never done if there's less than a certain amount of people so that you you know, the purpose is to, you know, provide the feedback, but not pinpoint anyone. So I would advise against tracking it. It's a different conversation when it comes to contact tracing, um, when, you know, when people are trying to be in the office and really want to be specific, but to what Andy was saying, who gets access to that um, is, you know, as much, as much, it's a different set of people. Um, and it's a very, should be a very limited set of people. And as we work with our data, of course, there's a data analyst that's, has the you know mapping the tables together by the time it gets to my team to really dig in on it, it it's not there i wouldn't want it to be there great okay thank you um any last thoughts on that from from others i think like the key thing is the communication is in, is important like you've got to be transparent about what you're doing and why and generally speaking what we found is that most employees in the organization once you explain exactly why you're you're doing something and what the benefits are to mm -hmm. both the employees and the organization as a whole, um, then they're generally kind of accepting of, of what you're trying to do. So all the time, kind of communication, collaboration. That's uh, great. We heard that a, a lot during these presentations and discussion, and I think that's an excellent place to stop. Uh, you know, this it's really important for people to feel included in these things. Things are changing really quickly, and uh, to bring in new technologies to change the way that people work, um, all of that really requires um, constant and open communication. 
All right. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for moderating the session. And thanks to the panelists for sharing your insights with the community. I really appreciate it. So I want to thank the audience for joining us today. And I do want to invite you to join us for our next webinar, which is coming up next week, Wednesday. And next week, we will be talking about access control. Um, again, that's going to be next Wednesday. And then tomorrow, we actually have a, um, a Welcome live episode. I think this one right here is an old one, but tomorrow we'll be talking about some of the pre-con chairs about the upcoming conference. So Ian, if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide, because we are having an in-person conference this year. We will be in Scottsdale uh, in Arizona on November 2nd and 3rd, and actually we'll have the pre-conference day on November 1st. And then for those golfers out there, uh, golf tournament and other sports activities, including surfing on October 31st. So hopefully you'll be able to join us in Arizona. We are very excited to be back uh, meeting everyone and um, really looking forward to a great event there. So thanks again for joining us today and I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks everyone. Thanks Michael. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks everybody. All right.